Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, boy, Christina, have we got a guest today. Are you super stoked? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so first and foremost, we're going to be talking about the upgrade. And I am super excited because, you know, here at Midlife Moxie and in our community, we're all about brain and functionality and like the the nuts and bolts of what what are we doing in midlife, Right. And how is this affecting us and others? So I am so excited, Gail. I am so excited. I love that we're calling it an upgrade instead of a downgrade. Everything's about, (laughs) yeah, everything, everybody acts like it's a downgrade. You know, it's a pause, it's a cessation. You're no longer worthy as a woman because you're not childbearing. So many things. And so without further ado, because we want to give her so much time today. We're going to be joined by Dr. Luann Brizendine. And y'all, this woman, she comes with some credentials. Let me tell you, she is the Lynn and Mark Beinoff Endowed Chair in Clinical Psychology, no, Psychiatry, sorry, at the University of California, San Francisco. She's founder of UCSF's Women's Mood and Hormone Clinic and New York Times bestselling author of The Female Brain and The Male Brain. She lives in Sausalita, and her newest book is called The Upgrade, How the Female Brain Gets Stronger and Better in Midlife and Beyond. So welcome, Dr. Brizendine. I mean, this book, I'm just going to call it a menopause Bible. How about that? Oh, that's great. Some people remember that book called Our Bodies, Ourselves. People say like, okay, this is Our Bodies, Ourselves for the second half of life for us women. That's for sure. I love it. And you know, I have to say this, you are in my neck of the woods. And so I am super excited because I can go and see you whenever. So you think. So you think. <laughs> You're a local girl. You're a local girl, Christine, in Northern California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm well, excited. Let's start here. How did you get interested in making this kind of your field of specialty? So, you know, I was an undergraduate at UC Berkeley and we were, it was the era era when it was discovered about all the functions of hormones. And, you know, remember the purpose of a hormone is to cause a behavior. Mm. So like, you know, if you have the hunger hormones, it makes you hungry. If you had the sex hormones, like, you know, that's going to make you horny and want to have sex. So I just found it so, I was, you know, of course at 1920, you're really into behavior and you're into sexual behavior into all, you know, that's what you're into. And it's just like so amazing to me that, that actually, um, that our hormones have so much to do with how we feel and what we, what we want are not only our emotions, but what we think we want. And it's just, it's just shocked the hell out of me because, you know, you always kind of think that it's like just all in your own head, but it's not in your own head. It's all, it's kind of in your body. That's kind of then making your your brain want certain things, and that's how Mother Nature made it. Mother Nature made it that way so that naturally, 
you know, we'll, we'll get actually women two or three days before ovulation, we get more horny because our hormones are all high at that time. You get more sex drive then. And, you know, your, your hunger hormones, when you, you, when your blood sugar drops, your hunger hormones go like crazy and you can't think of anything but like chowing down on the half gallon of ice cream in the freezer, especially if it's chocolate, whatever, <laughs> you know, we just, so it's like that got me so interested in this whole field of like the combination of biology, brain, and behavior, and our emotions. Because we women, you know, let's face it, you know, our our, our emotions are, are part of the every moment of every day yes. for us. Mm. Okay, well, I, this book, I'm going to tell you, I got out a highlighter and I had to go get another one <laughs> that had more ink left. That's the way this book is. And... Your research and your knowledge on this is unparalleled to anybody we've talked to so far. And we've been doing this a little while now. Um, Let's start with hormones, because I think that's everyone's question. Mm -hmm. Well, first, let's back up. Tell us why you think this season, this period of life, this stage is an upgrade and not a downgrade. Because it's so cool. Let's go back. Let's go back to the actual menstrual cycle, right? At age 11, 12, 13, whatever it is for us, we start having like the first two weeks. Remember, you're, we count day one of bleeding day one of the cycle. So let's get let's get our terminology together here. So day one of bleeding is called day one of your cycle. And, and as you're marching up towards day 14, that's when the ovulation happens. So that first two weeks, quote, of the cycle is when your estrogen is going higher and higher and higher and your testosterone is also going up at the same time. So that like between two and four days before the ovulation comes, you're at the peak of your estrogen. You're at the peak of your testosterone. So you're horny as hell, but also (laughs) you're more verbal. You're more flirtatious. Like women are shown to wear more makeup. We wear our, you know, whatever it is, like our skirts a little shorter or more jewelry, whatever it is on those few days before, because we're doing what Mother Nature wanted us to do. We're doing what I call the come hither, come hither, you know, come hither dance to God. We're, we're trying, you know, we're looking for the best sperm, ladies. We are looking for the best sperm. That's how Mother Nature made us. Like the few days before, we are out there hunting for the best sperm. And we don't even know it. I mean, we, our bodies, you know, our bodies know it. Our brains know it. But we don't know. You know how it's kind of really weird? It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like what's under the hood that we don't even you know, we're not paying attention to ourselves, but we're just doing it on autopilot. That's what I find so cool. That's like Ugh. stuff can happen with us hormonally on autopilot. So at any rate, so, so, okay. And so we're very involved in appearance and trying to, you know, think about how much time, money, and effort we women spend on makeup, a, a, a hair, you know, attractive. I mean, you know, we just, you know, and how many, how many moments of the day that we're awake, that we're thinking about that stuff. Or we're looking at it or we're looking and comparing, comparing and contrasting ourselves to other women, or I want to look like that, or I want that, you know, it's like, it's endless. And of course, you know, the marketing world, of course, knows that really well and plays on all that. So what is our purpose during our fertility years, lady? Our fertility years are about finding the best sperm Mm. and doing whatever we can do. Like attractiveness is part of the part of the program that's going on under the hood for us at, at all times. We're trying to find the best sperm. So then of course, you know, the last two weeks when the ovulation comes, remember once ovulation happens, the ovulation has to happen in order for the progesterone to start squirting out. And progesterone is a reversal. It reverses the estrogen. Mm. It reverses that kind of come hither thing. It's like, why should mother nature bother 
getting us all hot and bothered if there's no egg to fertilize, right? So for the last two weeks of the cycle, the progesterone is high. It's changing all of the estrogen things. And of course, now we all know about that 24 hours or whatever before we start bleeding where the PMS happens and we are, you know, we're, our hormones are crashing down and we're like, you know, I call it the crying over dog food commercials. <laughs> That's so true. I, oh. or, or else even fingernails on the chalkboard or things that your husband usually does that you know, wouldn't bother you some other time. It's like, ah, uh, you can't stand it for the for the max. And then you'll, you know, whatever. So your irritability, your anger, your aggression, your tearful, all your your emotions are just like out hanging, hanging out in the breeze, you know? And so that is what we all know that so well. I'm saying that we're all nodding. We all like this is like, yes, that's how it is. That's how it is. Well, guess what, ladies? That kind of like ebb and flow that's going in the brain. Now, this is brain circuit and hormone stuff that makes us do mm. or feel that way. It's the hormones and the brain circuits and the hormones that make us feel that way all during these fertility years. So the cool thing is after that, the reason that like we get midlife moxie is because that shit stops. And we're not, you know, it's not like we're walking along a path that's right by the shoreline and kind the brain circuits are getting built up and then washed away built up and washed away during these fertility years. But when we hit them, when we hit no periods anymore, our path is a little higher up on the hill. It's not getting washed away and built up all the time. And, you know, we're not being jerked around constantly by our hormones. We are much more stable. We have more clarity. We can see further. We're just, we're not like, we're not out there always searching for the best sperm. We, that we can be well, I, I like to call our authentic, our authentic selves, right? Yes. We have our, we want, we, our authentic selves are, are, are possible. And we, you know, let's think about the year 1900. The average age of death for women in 1900 was age 49. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. You never even went through menopause. You didn't, you were always, you know, you're always, all you ever did your whole life is look for the best sperm. Or, and, and you were always pregnant, right? Because like, whatever, you know, we were always like, I think women had on average 18 pregnancies during that, you know, you know, that is just, that's not our lives now, a hundred plus years later, you know, we're, we're in a very different era. And, you know, most women in, in our generation can, can plan to live like, you know, almost into their hundreds. So we're, you know, we are all of a sudden, Half of our life is spent in this fertility dance with the hormones jerking us around. And then, ladies, we have this upgrade for the second half where we don't have us jerking around. And we have some clarity of being able to choose what we want to be and do during the second half. You know, I that's, love that. That's so interesting because I, I do feel like once all of the emotional stuff of recognizing like, Okay, I'm done doing the fertility dance. I'm I'm an empty I'm, I am an empty nester. I am, you know, I I lost my dad, sandwich generation. Now I'm going through this place in my life where it's like I know what I want to do. I know the direction I want to go. I know I want to have peace and not all this, you know, chaos. So I feel like there's some calmness to the season. Is that is that what I'm understanding? Oh yes, and you know I, for, you know, so ladies, I'm I'm older than you guys, so I've been through a lot of things. The calmness, the calmness and peace to be able to listen to your own voice. Mm. How much time you we didn't spend listening to our own voice. 
We're listening to others about what they need from us or how they need us to be or how they want us to be. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how to be people pleasers, that whole people pleasing thing that we do. You know, I mean, it's not that we're going to become like impolite biatches, you know, at the, you know, you know, we're just, it's not like we're going to go that direct. It's just that it's like we are going to have the peace and calm to listen to our own voice. Well, you know, Dr. Brazen Dying, you say in the book, that this dramatic churn of these hormones, this monthly situation, remakes the female brain's terrain somewhere around 500 times in our lifetime. That just floored me. That we basically are being jerked from here to fro and having our whole hormonal system upset. A couple other things I'd like you to kind of dive into these is you talked about, if I'm not mistaken, every organ in our body has estrogen receptors, I believe. Yes, wow. it's, it's all through our bodies. And, and, you know, it's like, and especially like in a really high amount in different parts of the brain, of course, but then there's a lot of high amount in parts in our, in our GI tract, all through our stomach and our bowels and whatever. And, you know, you all know how, you know, when you get through certain parts of your period, you end up with diarrhea or, you know, it's like your bowels are just like, full of these receptors for the for the hormone for hormone and the bones your bones are full of all these receptors for estrogen like your teeth and your mouth and your you know your up well we all know the mucous membranes of your mouth and of your vagina are all full of receptors mm-hmm. for estrogen and in your heart and in your vessels you know all over your body we don't think of that but every single every single part of our body has these receptors for all kinds of hormones that you know and they're going up and down Every single week of the frigging month during all of our fertility cycle, you know, we're just like a bundle of like, you know, up and up and down, up and down hormones. But we're expected to perform and behave consistently, even though our entire body <laughs> is being and turned upside down. And if we don't, if we don't, somebody else going to point that out to us in a very not so polite manner often. You know? I mean, we just make no exceptions or adaptations for. For ourselves, even. Yes, true. Yes. Now. We blame ourselves for all of this. I thought it was very fascinating because, you know, people say it's all in your head. And when I was reading your book, I'm like, it's literally in your head. It's in your brain. (laughs) Because you were talking about when we get our menses and we start to have periods that our brain is basically reformulated to now be all about childbearing. And then when we go through. And getting the best sperm and having all that (laughs) I just love that. I'm getting the best sperm. (laughs) Well, you, exactly. <laughs> you get the best. I think I got the best, but we'll go on with that. Because you say the self-hard drive in the brain is wiped for recording to put offspring ahead of all. So to get pregnant, to be pregnant, to have healthy offspring, and to raise those. That our brain, you're saying these hormones change our brain to get us to do that. And then... Oh, yes. Mother Nature's not going to leave it to, no, she's not going to leave it to you yourself or to chance. You are so hardwired on your, in your hard drive in your brain to do that. Once you're, yes, you're, once you're on the maternal circuits, that the word mommy brain is not just like a throwaway term. It is like, it's like etched, it's Mm. etched, etched into the hard drive in your brain. So I had no idea. And that that then it it changes back. Once we, or it changes to something different once we go through menopause and those 
hormone stop and that turning cycle stops, our brain is rewired again. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that our brain was different in these three specific seasons of life prior to menses, our menstruating years, and our menopause years. What do you want to say you about that? You said it perfectly, Gail. Yes. I'm dumbfounded. It, I, I now know what the hell is wrong with me. I mean... <laughs> but you know mother nature made you that way gail that's like you just like you know that's your which it's kind of weird isn't you kind of feel a little bit like a puppet on a string in a way when you realize when you kind of realize like oh well it's like you know we have this idea that we're totally free self our self-will you know we can like make our own minds up about everything well yes of course we can but it's so so influenced by this the surges and de- the the increase and decrease of hormones during those fertility years uh. and the childhood years where we're not having that where our hormones are very low and steady and then the years after 50 say where our hormones are very low and steady that is that that's a different like you say season of our life well something well, i noticed about myself i've shared this with Christina and she thinks i'm awful but I'm going to say right here for the per- public, like in this season, I, I've, I stopped menstruating probably four or five years ago. Um, that was my 12 month mark. I do not have any kind of baby fever. Like I love to play with them and look at them. But like my thought of babies is, and little kids is spoil them teach them to do crazy stuff to irritate their parents and send them back. (laughs) I tell her, I don't want to work in any nurseries. I don't want to change diapers. I don't want to be responsible for kids. And for me, I had my kids 13 years apart. So it 33 years to having them both at legal age. And people look at me like I'm just mean and ugly. But when I read this, I'm not hormonally wired to be motherly in this season. Oh my gosh, well, you make me feel so maybe much better. grandmotherly, grandmotherly. Yeah, but like, my like, grandmother well, grandmother's like, is, oh, we get to play yeah, with yeah. them and then send them home I'm to their gonna parents to take care of. I'm going to buy you this cute dress and, and hop you I'm up on ice cream that, and know? send well, you back. Let me, let me ask you this, because I know, I know like when I'm in a restaurant or even on vacation, I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, I do not want to go where... and. Please forgive me. I'm not trying to be ugly either, but I do not want to go where there are children. I don't want to be. I want to be on uh, at a resort with no kids. I do not want to have them splashing around. Like I can play with them for a couple hours, exactly. but after that, I'm like, you got to go. You've got to. Go. I love you, but you've got to go. Like <laughs> that's so common. That's so common. Uh, that's common off, often, even with parents who have kids and like you don't want to go on vacation. So the worst thing to do is to hire a baby. The worst thing I can remember is like when you hired a babysitter and you went out to a nice restaurant with your husband and somebody on the table next to you oh. brought their two kids. And, you know, you're, I, I mean, it's, you, you feel furious. You feel so ripped off. You just feel like, you know, so, but, you know, there, but there's a thing, you know, even, even female animals only during the fertility cycle, are they interested in, in, in young or offspring? Hmm. And the rest of the time, they could just kick them to the curb, baby. Just kick them to the curb. Well, I felt so know? much better. And also, you know how mother, you know how mother, do, the, the dogs when they're 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 feeding, they're breastfeeding or whatever. At a certain stage, they just take off that old hind mm-hmm. leg. They take that old hind leg kick and them. they kick those pups off the tip. <laughs> just like, okay, baby, you are done. You are well, done. You know, we look at the animal kingdom, and they know what to do in those certain seasons. And I've been beating myself up that I don't feel 
maternal in this season. I just want to be about me and my husband. You're not supposed to. You don't got the hormones for it, Gail. I, it, it's such a relief. It's such a relief. Okay. To so know that we're not. You're free at last. Yeah. Baby, you're free at last. <laughs> That's the way it feels. And I felt guilty about it because it sounds so selfish, but it's not. When you talk, read your no, book, you no, find no. out this is the way we were designed to be. So your purpose in life, your purpose in life can and does change at this mm-hmm. season of your life. And that's why I call it the upgrade, because you actually get to select maybe for the first time in your life, what your purpose is going to be mm. or how you want to tweak your purpose, or even the fact that you can open your mind and think about, think about the idea of having a new purpose or taking a new path or, or, you know, I mean, the truth of the matter is all of us that our, our path is involved with the obstacles that are in front of us each and every yeah. day, you know, one day at a time. That's really what we do. But it is a season where you can open your mind to like, okay, you know, where do I want, where do I want to put my juice? You know, where do I want to put my juice out there? You know, and, and what, what is, what is something I have to give? And, and what, you know, what is something, what, what's, what's, what is, what's in my heart to be able to, you know, Maybe, maybe it has to do with, um, you know, walking a new spiritual path. Maybe it has to do with like learning a new like arts and crafts, or maybe it has to do with like starting a new business. By the way, in the United States, the most new business applications in the United States are for women over 50. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying this. I just met this woman this weekend and she was, um, 60 something and she was talking about a business and and I looked at her and I said, you should do it. That's a great business plan. Do it. Like, that's brilliant. There's nothing out here. You should do it. And she goes, no, I'm going to leave it for the younger people. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, you have so many more years left. You're still yes. young. I mean, even, you know, even if you just decide that you're like, honest to God, 15 good years of something where you're feeling you put your passion into it, you know, that's, that's bringing a gift to society and gift to yourself, gift to other people, you know? And so, you know, I think that our, see, I, Christine, I love that mm-hmm. story. That story is so like on a kernel of like kernel, exactly what the upgrade, you know, is about. And it's also about that society needs to to infuse women in that in their 60s wherever they are their 50s yeah. 60s with whatever idea they have that that they have support and enthusiasm from the culture to yes, go for it. Yes. Well, we have some friends to the show uh who are in their 70s who have started brand new businesses and have been very successful at it and I'm like you go girl because I feel like um and you can speak on this that it keeps the brain active. And it keeps them um, from getting sedentary and not having purpose so that they can continue to um, flourish. Is that something that you see? Oh, you know, you know how it is. It's like, okay, it's, 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 it's the brain is kind of like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. And, you know, we need to keep our bodies moving and we need to keep our brains moving at the same time, you know? So if you just keep stimulating the brain, I, it, things that you're excited about, you know, when there's, and then, you know, it's like this tennis game that we play. If the ball's coming back at you over the court, then you're going to like be enthused to go hit it. You know, it's like this, it, and that's like the brain. 
if the brain is out there trying out new ideas and people like you, Christina, were excited about this thing that this woman was doing in her business and, you know, you're getting good feedback, all of us go for the things where we, all of our lives that we get good yeah. feedback from. Even t- since we're too, you know, when we're born, you know, as we're doing it all of childhood too, we go for that thing that we're feeling we're getting great feedback about. So, I mean, I, but I think the culture, all of a sudden, women feel that this thing of fertility and then it just all stops and then when you're, you know, that you become invisible and the culture doesn't care about you anymore. Mm. Well, you know, that's just, that's for the birds, you know, we, and I think that that's why I wrote the upgrade. It's like, it's a, it's kind of like a call to arms. It is a call to arms for us to like, just like, you know, roll up our sleeves and, and be vibrant in our lives post 50, because it's, you know, I, our society really needs it and we need it for ourselves, but we also need to really change. We need to change the culture to really be supportive mm. of us. Love that. Okay. So you talked about how all this change to our brains that we stop this chemical or this hormonal upheaval all the time, that it's creating a new reality for what could be the best time of our lives. And one into which destiny, you you ask, into which destiny would you like to emerge? So basically, your theory or your proof, because you do a lot of research, is that now our brain is able to work more clearly. Because we often talk about the brain fog of menopause. Mm. And, you know, memory lapses and things (laughs) like that. Walking into a room, not knowing why we're there. (laughs) Yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, every day, every so day. So talk to us it. about like all that together. Yeah. What's really going to happen to so our brain? So brain fog is kind of that temporary, that temporary few years where your hormones are being jerked around constantly and you're getting all the progesterone surges and the estrogen and everything's dropping and going up. You know, it's like that's that the, the, the fog. I call it the fog of war. The fog of war. You're going through the fog of war. But, you know, after that is when the kind of clearing of the fog happens and you can just see more clearly and have more purpose. You know, I, I love the phrase like, Biology is destiny unless you know what it's doing to you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Biology is destiny unless you know what it's doing to you. Mm-hmm. So what is going to happen? We enter this season of perimenopause and that 12-month period where we're just hoping we don't bleed again for most of <laughs> us. I guess some women are hoping they do. I was <clears throat> saying, please let this be the end. And, you know, it's that really fun thing when you go four months thinking, Yuri, you're doing it. Yeah, you have a massive flood and chunkathon. Um, so <laughs> is that the period we're going to sense that brain fog and the most of the symptoms and then they should clear as that 12th month rolls around? Tell us kind of what that timeline yeah, lo- should look like. So, you know, and I talk about in chapters you know, chapters, chapters three and four of the book really go through the details of this so that you can figure out exactly where you are on the, like I call it the early perimenopause, the mid perimenopause and the, you know, I call it the word transition instead of perimenopause because, per, you know, per, mm-hmm. those, those words menopause and perimenopause are really kind of medical terms, you know, they're, they're also not really, very confusing. They're not about the whole, they're not about the right. whole woman. They're right. not about the whole woman. So I like to talk about the whole woman, all the pieces, you know, the word perimenopause, if you look at the pie chart of the whole, who we are, one little slice of that pizza is the perimenopause or the menopause. So the rest of the whole woman is like, we got all of the kind of stuff ladies going on during that, that during that phase. And so we are gradually like, 
we're gradually having the up and down, up and down, up and down during probably the, you know, you're talking about the bleeding. The bleeding can be like really, really heavy during some months and then nothing for two or three or four months. And then, so those, when you start getting into that, where you have a lot of glitches and you have a lot of skipped periods and stuff, you're right in the, you're kind of right in the tail end two years of it. So really for most women, it's a two to four year period of like hormones that are going like sky high all of a sudden and going all the way down to the basement and sky high again. And you're being jerked around by your hormones. You don't even know it because it's like really hard to measure, but you, you know it because of the way you feel. And that's causing the brain fog, the irritability, the hot sweats, because your brain is, you know, the temperature issue for brain is that um, during this period, it's like if you walk into a room with a whole bunch of people and they change the temperature up 10 degrees, everybody's going to be hot, right? Everybody's going to be hot. But if you're in the in this stage of the perimenopause, menopause, they change the temperature two degrees. Eh, no, it's going to be that hot, but you're going to be like fire, whipping off the fire. This, whatever. You're going to be on fire, right? And you're going to be like, ah, it's hot in here and everybody else is just fine. So be that's because the estrogen th changes the thermostat in your brain. The thermostat gets like one degrees for you would feel like 10. It'd have, to, it'd have to be 10 degree change for everybody else. Oh, my gosh. This happened to me this weekend. Uh, it was 80 degree weather and it was nice. It was beautiful. There was shade around, but I will tell you, I just looked at my husband and he was looking at me. He's like, are you okay? I'm all, I am so hot right now. And I, I'm going to die. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. eat my food. He had to grab me bags of ice, put them on my wrist. You can't breathe. I, it was just yeah. like, it was just terrible. And he's like, are you okay yet? I'm all, I, I need like, I, it took me 10 minutes, I think a good 10 minutes to just really <sighs> subside. And it's just so freaking irritating when mm -hmm. it happens. It really is. It really is. It's crazy. I'm 55. You, and you feel out of control because you are out of control, you know? Yeah. And to think that it's just by some stupid little hormone like estrogen, like so those women who are really bothered a lot by it and it's making them really miserable, those are the women we put on HRT during that period. So it'll take, it'll take it away within about three or four days. You won't have that shit anymore. Nope. So a lot of women decide they're going to go through this transition with the help of some extra hormones. And they're just going to have their, you know, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to be, it depends on, you know, it depends on, it's, it's variable. Different people feel differently. Some people... <laughs> The lucky 10, 15% of women don't have anything. You hear about them. They say, like, well, I didn't we know much hate of anything. those people. Or I think that yeah, they, I we think, don't like you know, them. You know, I, I mean, do you, do you guys remember how, like, you forget stuff that's bit, you forget the negative. We, we kind of edit out the negative. I mean, it's like, I remember the childbirth was like, when I think about the details of it or whatever, it was pretty awful. But, you know, for, for the year or so after, I could remember it in great detail, but I can't really remember that shit anymore. I mean, I know that it was, but so, the women that you talk to that are like 10 years out of this transition, they kind of, they've edited it out. Yeah. You know, they, they remember that it wasn't very pleasant, but the, 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 the grisly, the grisly horrifying details of it, they're not in it like Christina was this weekend. She was like, you know, like, it's, like, it's like, you, help me somebody. <laughs> you just want to jump in a cold shower, but there's no cold shower available, but then you get to learn. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's very well. And I think there's, there should be no shame. I don't care. You know, Ladies, there's no shame in any, like, whatever you have to do to get through this period. If you if you need to take hormones, if you need to take, you know, some estrogen to, like, get yourself to sleep yes. and not be able to, like, sweat all the time. And, you know, sleep disruption is actually really negative for your brain health. Your brain health depends on sleep because, you know, remember, 
at night that the sleep when you sleep the brain cells kind of shrink back from each other a little bit and they make these little channels mm-hmm. between them where the brain hoses out all of the all the garbage that's collected during the day and if you don't get that hose out because you're not sleeping very well your brain is going to accumulate all this trash and by the time you wake up in the morning you're going to feel like trash well you know <laughs> one of the things that I'll say is this I I do do HRT right now f- with bioidenticals and um, my my naturopath, she has me on this regimen where I, during my my seven days, uh, you know, the first day and then seven days, like in in that season of bleeding, um, I can't take the progesterone or the estrogen, and so I was at that tail end and getting back on my my drops, and I was like. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I'm dying. I'm dying because, you know, if I take all that during my bleeding, I'm just everywhere. I know that sounds gross, but. <laughs> right. Actually, I mean, you're yeah. just flooded. Yeah. You flood. Well, it's like a lot of women flood. I talk about that in the book. Like some women flood and they just like these big blobs yep. drop into yep. the yes. toilet. Yes. And yes. basically, you don't dare <laughs> yes. to wear white pants. You don't want to sit on it. You know, all, this, you know, all the yeah. cars, all the cars with the white leather seats, you're going like, I don't think uh, so. That's yeah. not Dr. for me. Dr. Bruce and Don. You know? For mm-hmm. me, it oh, was Gail, the Gail Verizon store <laughs> in a white chair, and I stand up, and this chair in public is red, and it's smeared red. everywhere. It was <laughs> so humiliating, and that's what a lot of this is, just freaking humiliating. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to these hormones. And I think that doctors should, doctors should like, I mean, nobody you know, I told, told me. It's so a tragic. 25% of doctors only get single lecture on, on HRT. Oh, that's, ter- that's terrible. And so the, the doctors, there's no doctors out there really trained to do it. And so it's like the natural mm-hmm. paths are doing them. You know, really, Christina, what you could do is like, you don't have to do that every month. You could skip, you could just take it continuously okay. for two months and then and then have a period once every two months. Ooh. Okay. Well, let's let's just dive in deep on this. So that gives you thing. control. I believe in taking, ladies, you need tools in the toolbox. Take yeah. control of your... Take control of your hormones. Take control of your life. That's why I say biology is destiny unless you know what it's doing to you. And when you do know it and you get some tools in your toolbox to work with whatever natural, whatever doctor, whoever you're working with, you know, you can take control of this shit. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to suffer. I love that. I want to say two things. I love it. That I love in the book when you said things that are possible with the upgrade are directness (laughs) <laughs> Boy, do we have some of that. Focus, validation from within, the return of fearlessness, expansiveness, mm. freedom. So I want women to know what's possible, no matter what we've been told. But because it's so important and so on the discussion, I want to get into this hormone situation because I can't find the page now. I've got so many marks in this book where you listed an entire section of hormones. And I'm like, wait a minute. I always hear about, you know, estrogen and testosterone, testosterone. but you listed a bunch. And what I thought was fascinating was the need that we really get physicians and medical personnel that are willing to titer and experiment with not only amounts, but combinations. Because some of these that you Mm -hmm. talked about, I had never heard of. So what question should so i'm going to tell you gail what page i think you're talking okay. about so i think it's really close to the front of the book in the in the section called author's note 
And I think it's X V I I I, isn't it? Like at the bottom, it's like like really close to the front. So it's like let me find it. I put I put a yes, bunch of this stuff yes. up front so women can just brain like, and we, nervous system is that the chemicals. One where you had the L- oxytocin, the GABA, the mm-hmm. aloe, the ACE. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck? I've never heard of all that. You gave these fantastic graphic. I'm a biology nerd. These she great graphics science. about <laughs> which hormones do what. I know I'm a science turkey, but here's here's Good. what I want to get to. Okay, a couple of things. What should we? You're my kind of reader, Gail. You're my kind <laughs> of reader, honey. I was just like, this is you don't have to know any science. To I read love them, really. this. I was so eating it you up. Can just you can just learn a few. Okay, things. so <laughs> talk to us about hormones and chemicals, and talk to us about if like like Christina is 45, right? Christina, 45 now? I'm almost 45, almost. And I'm almost 56. So we're in different. I'm already ceased. My men says. Different decades. And, um, you're, listen, you're in the upgrade, Gail. You're the upgrade already. <laughs> but I've still and got I'm some issues. <laughs> and Christina, Christina's up. She's just starting transition. to transition mm-hmm. into the upgrade. So I thought it was interesting about when to consider hormones, who can, who can't. Like I may have, I was one of these that I was just going to bite down on a pencil and muscle through. <laughs> I didn't take anything. I just, and my biggest problems were, like you said, the profuse bleeding, the clots, which nobody told me. I mean, literally the first time I had a huge clot, I wondered if I was having a miscarriage. I looked in the toilet and thought. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks that. Yeah. How horrifying that we lead women to think that we didn't tell them this could happen. But we've covered that on this show just a few times. But I now have some residual symptoms even being about four years out like just profuse sweating hot all the time now i'm overweight i'm gonna take full responsibility for that and i know that makes you warmer but but you know the fat cells fat cells make estrogen a type they can make is that estrogen estrogen comes in something called e1 e2 and e3 your ovary makes e2 your fat cells make e1 so actually having more fat cells actually helps your transition be a little bit better for most women. It makes your bleeding heavier often. Oh, it was heavy all during right. During the transition. Mm. So but your bleeding is he- that's why you ble- but you but you're also now so the nice thing your fat cells are actually giving you a little HRT. <laughs> okay. Oh. So lucky you Gail. <laughs> I guess because I'm still sweating like a pig like I'm hot all the time. <laughs> we were at the beach this weekend and my poor the host, her husband, was walking around with a fleece jacket on because Gail's here. I mean, oh, God, and you're naked. And I've got on one of those specialty gowns that wicks away moisture and supposed to make you cooler, and I'm throwing off the covers. So is there any help for those of us who bit the bullet and now we're three, four, five years past? And let's just get into a conversation. I want to know, you know, other than reading your book, which I think should be required, what should we be asking medical professionals? Like, mm, I feel yes. like we don't know what questions to ask, what tests to ask for. Well, this book tells you which questions to ask, right? Oh, I, I found you it very helpful. It. But just for listeners out there who may not have read the book yet, like, how do we advocate for ourselves to get through this in a way that doesn't have to just be pain and suffering? Well, I think for like that, the reality is, I, I think every woman should be able to have a test drive of hormones if she wants it, just to have a test drive of to see. Oh, I mean, you know, you're not going to buy a new car without test driving it, are you? Well, you got, like, you know, you're going to you, you test drive the hormones a little bit to see how they react with with you, you know. And actually, you know, only 
most people only need to test drive them for about a month, one cycle, one cycle or two cycles. You'll, you'll know within a month or two how they how they affect you and how to tweak them. So I think that women should be allowed to, you know, test, you know, work with their doctors to test drive what whatever hormones they need to test drive through this. And Christina's nodding her head. I mm-hmm. mean, I think that it's just it should be. I think it should be a women's women's medical right to um, have the opportunity to to do that if if you know if she wants to. And every woman would like to know. Like for example, wouldn't you like to know, Gail, that if if you took like a certain dose or a patch of just the estrogen to see if you don't have to be like sweating all the time? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I feel like we've been the victims of misinformation. You talked a lot about the reports that come out, you know, about to HRT or not to HRT. Mm-hmm. And what I have found, though, in seeing different types of providers, I have found that I got the best information um, probably most recently from a nurse practitioner who works in gynecology, but not obstetrics, because she was totally yes. focused on women's health. So you know, people are listening to this podcast all over the world. What type of practitioners can we reach out to that we don't just get that standard script that everybody gets, you yeah. know, which is a certain age and people who yeah. really so the listen. nurse practitioners that work in OBGYN, the nurse practitioners. So remember, if you go to a GYN who's mostly delivering babies, they're so focused on delivering high risk pregnancies and all that. Like, do not go to an OBGYN that's just doing babies because or just mostly does that. Because that's not, you want the ones that are probably a bit older and actually got trained in this stuff. Because most of them didn't, you know, unfortunately, the people that you need to go to are probably over the age of 60, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the doctors that, that were trained in this stuff before they took it all off the market for 20 years. And now it's coming back on the market. But none of the younger doctors, and I mean younger between the ages of like the 40-year-old doctors, you know, the 30, 40-year-old doctors know shit about this. So, sorry, but they just don't. They weren't trained in it. Um, and so nurse practitioners in, in those practices that are just doing the, the GYN know, and in family medicine, in the Great Britain, you know, in other parts of the world, the, the, um, your, your GP, your, your, you know, your regular, um, you know, primary care doctor knows and primary care doctors know much more about it. And I know that Christine, you're going to, you know, basically you go to naturopaths or yes. functional medicine doctors. I mean, unfortunately this has, this is, this, it's just really, it, it's really bad that it's not mainstream. It should be means every woman goes through this in America and we're 51% of the population and yet it's not considered mainstream medicine. Hey, what the heck's going on here? All the 51% of the population goes all that we all go through this and the mainstream medicine doesn't know what the heck to do with it. Well, and they that's don't really want to take but the time. Rate, that's you just, know, your regular family yeah. practitioner in America, they're normally slotted 15 minute appointments, 20 at the most. I don't have time to really have the discussion. I feel like that needs to be had. Do you agree? Yeah. So the whole, you know how when a niche opens, there's a whole bunch of businesses that go into it. And like, um, I've been a consultant for a few of these. So there's a lot of these that online apps and it's, it's a lot of, a lot of on online kind of menopause businesses right now that are, that are run by MDs, yeah. they're run by doctors who know this stuff. So there's, that's a whole, I mean, I'm not recommending any of them just because like, I'm not, you know, but I'm saying that, that is a possibility because they're they're really they're really pitched at this. You look at a lot of them online; they can help you with this to let you do what I'm talking about. Is get stuff in your toolbox to test drive, and they actually give you a longer evaluation with more access than yes. most medical yes. practices do, right, Christina? Yeah. I mean, and the, the maybe a lot more on the West Coast. I don't know, but the functional yes. medicine doctors or your naturopaths. A lot of it, it also becomes an issue of like 
how much money do you have to spend on this? Because I mean, a lot of people don't have, a lot of women don't have the money to go do this. But, you know, you might have a certain amount to to help you out. So I think the nurse practitioners, the functional medicine doctors, and the naturopaths are the ones who end up doing the most of this. Unless you could ask for your girlfriends. Like I, there's a couple of doctors in San Francisco that do do this and done it for years. A lot of them are super expensive though. You know, you can't, you know, I'm sure Christina knows this in our, our area. It tends to be that. But I'm saying that these people are out yeah. there. They're, they're out there. This whole niche has completely been blown open in the last yeah. five years. So um, I, I just think women should demand, this is your this is your healthcare right. This is your rights, lady. I mean, to have your needs attended to during this age 45 to 55 time of your life. All women in 51% of the population goes through this and you should have your needs addressed medically and be able to test drive some of this for yourself and get good medical care. Well, you know, area. what I have found is that the concierge medicine is is really where it's at as far as taking things into your own hands and like you said test driving certain things i get tested every 6 weeks with my hormones just to yeah, make I sure talk like about everything that, christina yeah i want to talk about testing yeah. but let's take a quick break okay we need to hear from the people who make this show possible so we'll be back Hi friends, let me tell you about Viome, a full body intelligence test, the most advanced holistic health test currently available to consumers and first of its kind to analyze three key areas of your health as a whole, gut microbiome, oral microbiome, and cells to give you a holistic view of the functions in your body to keep you healthy. This test offers deep insight into the inner workings of your body in order to provide the most comprehensive interpretation of what your body needs when it comes to food and supplements. And here is where you can find it, www.viome.com slash products slash full body intelligence and receive your $50 off savings by entering in promo code MOXIE50. If you're struggling with occasional bloating, poor digestion, low energy, fatigue, feelings of anxiousness, brain fog, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, bad breath or poor dental health, you'll want to check it out today. So go and get your Viome at Viome.com Moxie 50. Hey, it's Gail here. And one of the things I've noticed in midlife is thinning of my hair and greater hair loss when I'm in the shower or bathtub. Well, our friends over at Mojo Wellbeing have come again with new products to treat exactly those issues. One is their hair thickening treatment. You put a few drops on your scalp and rub them in. It can work while you're sleeping. It contains polypeptides and it helps moisturize the scalp and nourish for healthy roots of hair that looks thinning and may be fragile. And then they have our, their moisturizing hair oil. You know how the ends of your hair get knotty and dry? Mine that has really increased, you know, during menopause. This makes it feel so great with ingredients like argon oil and phytosqualane. So go to mymojowellbeing.com, mymojowellbeing.com, use your discount code MOXIE15 and get a discount off these and their other great products for menopause and beyond.
If you walked around on pool decks and in the sand all summer, wearing those cute little sandals and going barefoot, then your feet may look like mine and they may need a little love and care. In comes Sandbar Hand Care. This is a special foot file that will get rid of those calluses on those feet and leave them feeling smooth. So if you're crawling into bed at night and the heels of those feet are catching on the sheets, go order yours now. This metal file gently buffs away that dead skin. It removes just enough to really make a difference but not leave your feet sore. And it even comes with a salve to apply after you've gotten rid of that dead skin. I'm already thinking of who I'm getting this for Christmas. They sent us one to try and I fell in love immediately. And mine's even pink. How could you go wrong here? So ladies, head over to sandbarhandcare.com. That's sandbarhandcare.com. And use the code MOXIE15 and you'll get a discount on your order. And all those gifts that you pick up for the holidays. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back on Midlife Moxie with our guest, Dr. Luann Brizendine. And we've been talking about how to advocate for your care during this season. Christine was just sharing about she asks, she gets certain tests. Mm-hmm. Is is that what we need to be looking for, Dr. Brizendine? Uh, is that, are, are we asking for our hormones to be tested or are we just going on how we feel? I know you mentioned keeping a diary. How can we advocate? Yeah, so I, I talked about in the book, I give you this little like little like check sheet for your diary to go through what you need. Because actually the truth of the matter is that that you know, um the what we doctors really like to hear about in this area is your what your symptoms specifically are. Like I want to know about your sleep, right? And I want to know about your your sweating or your hot flashes or your your what I call warm flushes. You know, I want to know about those symptoms. I want to know about your libido. And I want, you know, I want to know about your vaginal dryness or what that helps me know without doing a bunch of blood tests what your hormones really are or aren't doing. So or and I may decide to do a, a bone scan on you, you know, just a DEXA scan, which is an easy thing. You just lay down on something that looks like a ironing board and they just run this thing over you for 30 seconds and you're done. It tells you how, what the density of your bones is. And if you're somebody with low density bones that might break, that may push you towards wanting to take estrogen replacement because that will help build up the strength of your bone. You know, there's, there's a lot of medical stuff during this time that would push push me as a doctor to try and help you get what you need. So those are, you know, so those are types of tests. Because if you measure just the hormones, we've learned that just measuring the hormones alone, like the FSH, which is the hormone that pituitary makes when your body is not making enough estrogen, that if you do it, like I could do it for you guys today at this hour, and then two hours later I could measure, and it could different. be completely different because it changes every hour on the hour, every minute on the hour, minute on the minute, depending on how much estrogen the ovary is making or not making. So it's it's a such a moving target that you may miss it. So we've actually in medicine we've stopped, we've really stopped measuring those. And the things that really are our guides are are your specific symptoms, and that's why I encourage you to keep a diary of those kinds of things for the next 30 days and take those to your doctor. So what I have people do is right before you go to bed, just like scribble down some stuff on your little diary on, you know, how your, how your warm flushes, hot flashes, sweating was during the day, what your mood was like. Cause you know, there's a 13 fold increase in anxiety and depressed <laughs> moods during this time. You feel like, 
maybe if you never had depression before, all of a sudden you feel like I've had women come into my office and they say, Dr. Brizendine, I have like a wonderful husband. We're financially in good shape. I've got two great kids and whatever, but honestly, and you would never guess that I really feel like this inside. If I didn't have them to live for, I just, I would want it all to end mm. now. I'm just, you know, I this like is, I'm just like, uh, this is something that we really wanted to talk about. You say in the book, there's somewhere between 45 and 68% of women in the transition report more symptoms of depression compared with around 30% of women before the transition. And I know I've seen this personally, my anxiety shot through the roof. Um, I see friends battling depression for the first time ever. And so let's talk about that, about why does that happen? What we need to be concerned about. And I know there was an entire discussion in the book about um, hormones versus SSRIs. And I found it really fascinating because we don't always tie the two together, I don't Mm. think, as which is going to resolve my problems. So let's dive into that a little bit. So I think this is something that's really under discussed. And it's like, you know how it is with your girlfriends too. It's like, it's not till you're kind of one-on-one with somebody that you might really tell them how crappy you feel, you know, and how, how depressed you're feeling or how hopeless you're feeling um, or how o- overwhelmed and anxious you're feeling. You know, we, it's like, we don't tell each other the truth often as girlfriends, even though you have mm-hmm. close girlfriends, you know, you might, if you actually sit with them for about an hour and just say, you know, you might, you know, and it, we always blame it. We blame it on the husband. We blame it on the kids. We blame it on the job. We don't know. There's all kinds of reasons, but you know, there's a, there's a core feeling often during these stages with your hormones being jerked around. It really, really takes, um, uh, your mood and your, your, your joy, the joy, the joy factor kind of goes out of, gets kicked in the kicks in the teeth, you know, really kind of goes out of your life sometimes for periods of time during this hormone change. And people don't talk about that enough. And I think that, um, that's, um, you know, cause you know, I, I'm in psychiatry. So we psychiatrists, we know that I've been training, training people, all kinds of students who come through my women's mood and hormone clinic, you know, for, you know, trained hundreds and hundreds of students are now out there practicing for like 20 or 30 years. So they're all out there. And, you know, it's a very well-known time of, of life where you get increased anxiety, depression, uh, insomnia. And so it's all mixed up sometimes with the hormones and the insomnia. It's just like you don't get a good night's sleep and that can make you depressed or anxious. So that's why I talk in the book a lot about the combination of estrogen plus SSRIs, for example, because uh, actually that's kind of funny. They do, they found that, you know, SSRIs can treat, can treat hot flashes up to about 60 or 70% too. And, you know, of course, did they find that out on women? <laughs> no, they started giving this drug called Paxil or oh, paroxetine to mm-hmm. men and they were getting their hormones reversed during prostate cancer treatment. They got their hormones reversed and they took all their hormones away which basically made them have lots of hot flashes. They gave them this drug to try and improve their mood, the paroxetine, it's an SSRI. And the guy said, oh, we don't want to give it back because it helps our hot flashes. So that's how they learned that these SSRIs help hot flashes was is in guys who'd had their hormones taken away and were getting hot flashes. But anyway, so the good news is it got started being used for women. And it does, it does two things. It can improve your hot flashes and it can also help you uh, really elevate your mood. I would say 
50% of the women that I give a low dose SSRI to because of being anxious and depressed during this period and having the hot flashes, it, it really, it gives them a bit of a boost. It gives you a safety net, you know, it kind of gives you a safety net to not have to go down in those deep, dark places so much. So I really encourage women to, to be honest and tell their doctors how they're feeling so they can get a, in their toolbox, get some SSRI. It could be like Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, Celexa, Lexapro. I mean, I'm, I'm using all the trade names in America for those, and, you know, paroxetine. And, and you know, and so uh, it's called fluoxetine, Prozac's um, generic name. And I used to, the only drug that came in liquid form in, in the early days when I was doing this, the liquid form Prozac comes in liquid. So I get, I get women a bottle of the liquid Prozac with a little eyedropper, yep. you know, or a little like, you know, uh, tuberculin syringe, like a little syringe. And I had them start taking like one cc of it, which is about, you know, maybe one-tenth of the dose you use for a real full-on depressed episode. But it took the edge off. I have I have women to this day that come up to me and say, remember when I was going through the change and you gave me that liquid Prozac saved my life, you know. So, I, you know, and other drugs now like the the sertraline, the Zoloft, and the Selexa, they all come in liquid now. So you can, whatever your, whatever your favorite one is, you can get it and find your own dose. Find your own dose because not one size fits all with SSRIs. Just like you're not going to go into a dress store. Not every woman wears a size 18. You know, every woman does not. And so some women will need a higher dose. Some women will need a lower dose. So just no, start, start with that. the lower because and build mm-hmm. up. Just finding doctors who will be willing to titrate medications or have that discussion with you just uh, it's just a rare find out here and for our listeners who don't know when you are a psychiatrist you do have a medical degree so they are different than psychotherapists so i just want to be clear about dr brizendine's um you know her credentials in Mm -hmm. discussing this as a yeah so we're trained we're all we're all trained in so we all go to medical school we all have mds we all do an internship and a residency and come out with, you know, with, and there are women all over the place that have some psychiatrists that have some, you know, specialties in women's, women's mental health. And see, I would have health. never Those looked women, that direction, even though I know that to be a fact, I did not know that there is, I love that. That gives us a new place to look for help, for help. Um what I hate. Also, you can look on the NAMS, the National, the Na- the North American Medical Menopause Society, the NAMS, N-A-M-S, the NAMS Society will also, if you look on there, you can find someone in your area. And they're usually, often they're not psychiatrists. A lot of them are pra- family practitioners or OBGYNs or even, you know, so if you look for um, a uh, psychiatrist that is in NAMS or if you just, if you just Google like uh, women's mental health. Because anybody that specializes from my field, a doctor, you know, and they're all MDs, so they can prescribe medicines for you. So it's a, it's a one-stop shopping. If you go to a psychiatrist in your area that specializes in women's mental health, it's one-stop shopping. They can prescribe your hormones for you, and they can also prescribe your SSRIs or your antidepressants, anti-anxiety, your sleep meds, and they can prescribe all the things you need to get you through this 10-year period. I love that because I feel like we're sometimes looking to the wrong providers for what we need. Mm -hmm. I also want to say, I think we've done just a piss poor job of preparing women for menopause in general, but no one prior to it happening to me had ever said to me, you may become more anxious. You may become depressed. You may, no one had mentioned that to me. So when it happened to me, I was, I didn't know 
You were alone. You were alone. You felt it was just I you. I did, and I didn't know what was happening. I really, and you know, this was how much fear. I was afraid that when I went to my therapist, who was actually a friend and a friend of friends, someone I really trusted, my biggest fear that day was that I was going to be locked up because I had gone insane. That's how bad it felt. And I don't think we prepare women. So I'd love to take our platform here and just just say a few words. I won't let you do it versus me about what that might look like, because I didn't see the warning signs and no one around me saw the warning signs until I crashed. Uh, that's great. Yes. I absolutely agree with you. So the not, we call them the nine, you can just Google this, the nine symptoms of depression, right? There's nine symptoms that we all use, the nine symptoms of depression. I may not get them all here, but like you start to offer the first time in your life, you may have some suicidal ideation, like, like, I don't want to be here. Like, get me out of here. You know, so suicidal ideation or increased guilt. Or, or increase, increase crying or increase like, you know, emotionality, you know, decreased ability to sleep, um, you know, and increased like shame and humiliation. And just these feelings that are like, you know, maybe you have a little bit of some time in your life, but they just start to really overwhelm you and decreased energy, like feeling kind of flat and just not like, I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to open the shades and get out of bed sometimes, you know. So your decreased energy and your appetite can change and a flattening, a flattening, even more so a flattening of your libido. Like if you never had sex again in your life, you could care less, you know? So those are all the kind in the category called the nine symptoms of depression. And they happen more to women 45 to 55 because of the, the hormonal transitions. Nobody tells us that. Right. And that makes it very scary. And it actually, for me, like when I first started having these symptoms, I had a lot of GI symptoms and I thought I had a virus and then I thought I had an ulcer and I thought I had all these things because I just became unable to eat. My stomach was upset all the time yeah, and I had no idea that was anxiety. We do not talk about what this looks like. And so people walk in and they're blindsided. Then there's the shame of it and the just ignorance of not knowing where to go for help. And I had to see a second practitioner before this lady said to me, I think you have anxiety. And she gave me a shot and forgot what it was at this time. But within 30 minutes, my stomach stopped hurting. And it wasn't a GI shot. It was a, some type of nerve situation. And I'd already seen yeah. one practitioner who did not mention this to me. And so even the practitioners sometimes miss it. But it's so important, ladies, if you are that not yourself so and you remember that this thing called the vagal nerve that actually controls our whole gi tract that comes it's a nerve that comes from the brain and it's, it controls your heart rate and your gi tract and your your stomach and your like they secrete acid in your stomach the pain that this you know feels like ulcer pain feels like or else sometimes diarrhea mm -hmm. or it stops the motility stops or whatever and you know i teach in the book the nine round breathing i teach some breathing some some of these types of breathing um, exercises that are certain types of breathing exercises can actually help the vagal nerve vagal nerve calm down and so you know you can there's all kinds of you know there's hormones there's medication there's also some some breathing techniques there's like there's a lot of things that you can use all together and I, I find it's great to have a lot of things in your toolbox I don't like this one size fits all it's like ridiculous like you need to have a lot of tools in your toolbox to be able to do self-help, self-health care. And doctors, you know, I just feel like doctors should be like 
someone that assists putting tools in your toolbox. Yeah. You know? I love that you are just giving us a vastness of, you know, what we need, because I think that we do kind of put ourselves in a box. Women just put themselves in a box or they don't want to talk about it. And I think that this is allowing us to open up the conversation even deeper and also um, allowing people to recognize that just what works for them might not work for their friend or their sister or, you know, whoever's in their circle of influence, but that they can suggest, hey, you know what, these are the things that have worked for me and there are other things that might work for you, but it's good to have this, like you say, this toolbox so that if that one thing shifts or changes, you have something else you can pick up and potentially use, you know, and it doesn't have to look like mine. It can just be what it needs to be for you. Well, you know, I think a lot of us have been kind of led to believe it's either estrogen or not. That Those right. are the only things you're looking at here. And I love this, especially in, in your book, you go through all of these things like SSRIs may be your answer. This may be your answer. That may be your answer. And you give some case studies of women who various cocktails and combinations of modalities and therapies were the answer for them and how they got real relief. So, how? Yeah, there's lots of stories. The book is mostly stories, isn't it, Gail? The book is mostly full of stories of people who got, you know, different combinations of things that helped them. And I loved hearing that they really, it wasn't just like, okay, I could stand it. It was they felt completely different after getting their treatments, whatever their treatments turned out to be that were very personal for them. So, how long can we expect... <laughs> symptoms of menopause to last. And what about those of us who are four or five years out after that? Actually, we have menopaused. I like to say we put the end on it. And what can we do about persistent symptoms? And, and will those eventually go away or we need to just accept those as the new normal? Well, I think there's some women that are that are a few years out and they still have some symptoms and they haven't used the tool and toolbox of trying some estrogen. They need they deserve to have a two month two month trial of some estrogen just to see what it makes them feel like and to see if it takes those specific what I call target symptoms and makes those target symptoms better. You know, like for you, like the sweating, for example, just to test drive it. Um, so and if it makes your mood better. I mean, the, the combination I typically found in my clinic that works well for women is, you know, a bit of estrogen and a, and a low dose of an SSRI can help them both with like their mood, their sleep, their sweat, they stop sweating, um, their energy is better, like, and it's just, uh, you know, it's a combination that works for lots and lots of women. And then you can, you can modify that as you need to as you go down. Now, the you did but mention there think, was think, an outer limit to when you should begin. Hormone therapy. They so the the idea is after the age of sixty or sixty five. Okay, and is there a? Didn't you mention a window after? But we'd like to try earlier because we want to preserve any of your bones. We want to preserve your brain. We want to preserve you know all the things that estrogen helps preserve in your body. So as long as you're going to take it, you might as well take it to preserve all kinds of things. But I mean, it will definitely quickly take away your sweating. It will take your sweating. And away. can I start that surprised. now, even though I might be four to five uh -huh. years out? And then yes, yes. should we expect to take those permanently or do we just take them for a period uh, of time? That was my question. <laughs> I think you play, you, you play it by ear. Yeah. You play it by ear. So 
I'm still taking them. I'm 69. I take the patch. Okay. I take the patch. And so um, I've, um, you know, so, you know, I talk about my own story too, you know, in the book as well. So, um, and, um, you know, um, a lot of my girlfriends that are doctors, you know, in San Francisco, whatever, they're, some of them are in their late seventies or whatever. Okay. Still okay. Practicing. Hey, hey, they, we got to pause right there patch. for a minute. So, okay. Let me just tell our <laughs> listeners, she does not look 69. You hear no. how art- I'm, I'm being 70 in a couple of months. You hear how articulate she is. over to the next decade. She's still <laughs> practicing and teaching and still uh, authoring books at 69. So you want to talk about an upgrade? Well, listen, this is the upgrade, ladies. I have to I have to live. I have to walk the walk, too, you know? It's and, like, you know, you got to write about stuff that you but know But you look about. great. You're killing it. You like, did. Like, seriously. What? Oh, thank you, sweetie. Thank you. But so that, you know, and the thing is, it's like, you just, I, I have a lot of, I'm lucky. I have a lot of tools in my toolbox, right? You I got to work on my toolbox stuff, up so. here mm. in South Carolina now. I've got to. Yeah, you do. I mean, you do, Gail, you deserve it, honey. I mean, I I'm so sick of sweating. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you, baby. You really need to, to at least test. It makes me angry. It really makes me angry. To get the sweat. The sweating away. makes you me need... mad. Well, what, what makes you the angry? Sweating. Say the sweating makes, makes me angry. I get vile and ill-tempered about the sweating. You need to hook up with Luann well, you here. Should, <laughs> you know, but there's, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's people in your, like, go to your nurse practitioner or go to your, go to your functional medicine doctor, go, go on the NAM, the NAMS, the NAMS, North American Menopause Society, go on the NAMS website. Well, they have been offered at one time. Now she said, at first she's like, I don't really necessarily recommend them, but if you want to try them, this is what I recommend. And I think I'll just go back and have another conversation with her. She was not anti, she just... I got the feeling she wanted me to try to bite the bullet first and see, but I think we're going to have to revisit and say the bullet has been bitten in half and I'm still <laughs> suffering. So I just say, like, I'd like to try just sometimes if you tell, like, these are the magic words to the doctor. Look, I'd like to just test drive it for a couple of months mm-hmm. and see if I feel differently. Would you be willing to go there with me? I love that. Okay, I love that. that that's love good that wording. Language. Yeah. Good wording. Because that language means that you're not, you know, that you're that you're conscientious and that you're not going to just that you're going to you're going to talk to them. You're going to, you know, you're going to you're going to kind of like, you, you know, you're going to you're going to partner with them yeah. and that you're not, you know, kind of, you know, would you be willing to let me test drive this for a couple? You're inviting them to, you know, can, would you be willing to te- let me test drive this for a couple of months and see if I feel better on That's it? Good and, language. Then, and then see okay. from there. So it's not something permanent that you're just going to, you know, and then obviously. If it makes you feel better, then great. Then you go from there. Okay. But then you know, because Gail, I feel like you. I feel like you don't. I don't. Know yet, and I, I keep thinking, did I miss my chance? Should I have? You know. So I'm going to definitely have the conversation. No, you haven't missed your chance. And but you should do it soon because a lot of doctors they kind of have this. It, they've just upgraded it from having been like five years post the menopause to being like now up to 60 you know so a lot of doctors are behind the, they're behind so I've still got stuff. time they're that makes me feel stuff. better okay so now we mentioned a little bit about the upgrade but really I want to leave this on a high note and mm. also we meant to ask you this before would you be willing to come back again <laughs> of course yeah we can do we can do another installation on a whole oh, other, whatever so we can relieved, do this topic cause... again because there's so much we didn't cover I mean the book has I think that the book has many, many, many layers to it, you know, it in terms of like, no matter what age you are, I think if you're, if you're already like what I'd say, women, Gail, that are already past that, that window, I say just, I mean, you can just jump straight into chapter six, you know, read chap. the first chapter is only eight pages long. So you can start the book with reading the first eight pages. So it's the first chapter. 
And then you can just, you can, if you've already been through all the rock and roll of the transition and the perimenopause and menopause, you can jump forward. I have a lot of women in their 30s and their late 30s that are reading this book and they're writing, they're like, oh God, thank mm, you. Everyone should read this book. Now that I know it's not, I just thought it was all over after 40 and I yeah, everyone should read I mean? this book. No, I mean, I, I remember I, yeah. texting Christina and I said, chapter one is an entire show. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. I mean, yeah, this book, I don't like people to waste my time and I'm meat and potatoes. Christina knows that. And if mm-hmm. I don't get the meat and potatoes, I throw it to the side. I needed a steak knife to get into this one. You <laughs> have put so much in here. And I just, I know we're talking a lot about the book, but I really think everybody should rush out and get a copy. So absolutely, I would just want to end with, tell us again what those great things are we can expect in the upgrade. And then also just tell us a little bit about your other book, The Female Brain, because now I want to go get that one too. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's like, it's like, like, really you become much more centered. You become much more, smart, more stable and you get to see further. You got to have all of this opportunity to really, you know, be your authentic self you know, as you kind of like go through this transition and go into the upgrade. And so that's what I love about it is it's like, it's really a call to arms to like listening to yourself mm. deeply, deeply getting to know yourself all over again and, and being able to have opportunity to make some choices about what directions you want to go and what you really love about yourself and to, to give yourself more love and kindness to yourself during this period, just more kindness and love to yourself. Love I that. love that phrase that happiness, happiness is an inside mm. job. You know, I love that because we've talked a lot about this show that a lot of things collide in this season that are negative, like the kids are leaving, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. But when you get to the upgrade, that's true for the positives. Like, in addition to the fact that your hormones are have calmed down and things and calmed down, the children have moved out. You're probably not in a season of your life where you're trying to build your career as much as other seasons. And there goes Ranger. And so I'm really, you're just really helping me see this entire different side of the fence. So, oh my gosh. And tell us. So if people, the female brain, the female brain book, you know, is now in like, I think 37 languages. And it's like, you know, it's whatever. It's like, you know, it's they made a movie out of it called The Female Brain, which is kind of a comedy with with uh, Beanie Feldstein and with with Whitney Cummings and stuff. So they she, Whitney Cummings plays me in the movie. So you can get the movie, I think, on whatever Netflix or Amazon or something. And but the, the, so the, cool. the first chapter that women can women can change goes straight to chapter seven in that book. It's called The Mature Female Brain. So just the last chapter in that book is kind of like kind of the prelude to all of the upgrade it talks about you know um just kind of like when the kids are leaving home and whatever and there's a great chapter in that book called the mommy brain which i you know i talked about chapter eight which in this book in chapter eight it's called upgrading the mommy brain so it's kind of a companion one to the mommy brain chapter five in the female brain which talks about like all the ways that that the children hijack our brain circuits. The children hijack our brain circuits. And then, you know, when you get the empty nest and they finally move out, it's a, it's a whole nother thing. It's like, it's like both you really miss them, but it's also like, phew, it's like, wow, I haven't had to think about them all day for three or four weeks. It's like, oh my God, it's a, what a blessing, right? You know how that, that goes. So, and um, if you've got anybody that has teen girls that, that, that they kind of, the the chapter that all the guys that I know that had teenage girls, they wanted chapter two, which is called chapter two in the female brain. It's called the teen girl mm. brain. I just can't wait. I've got so to get this to really my nieces. Talks. I have twin nieces in the early 20s. I can't wait. Is the, is the female brain still in print? 
Oh yeah, it's like it's. A, I think it's eight bucks off of Amazon on on. Okay, I'm gonna Amazon, order a you know, stack of those in paperback or something or twelve and, or I don't know what it is. But you know, they, there's also the chapter for the girls who are dating. The chapter three is called mating, mating, <laughs> the mating and date. It's a mating and dating chapter. It's all about the hormones of mating oh, and dating. Wow. I love it. And then the chapter that nobody ever interviews me on ever in that book is chapter four, which is. Um, Basically, the the sex brain, the female sex brain. Is oh well, we'll because we can't talk about enjoying sex because we're female. <laughs> Nobody's ever interviewed we'll, me on we'll that. Okay, we'll first. get to that because <laughs> yeah, we, we do want to do some episodes on sex. So maybe yep. this is maybe this is where we go from here. This well, is are any of your books okay. on Audible? The, everything's on. Everything's on Audible. Everything's on Kindle. Everything's nice. on you know download digi- digital whatever. They're all and the this this book is also on. I read the I read the female brain myself in my own book. Oh, so good. the female brain audible is done by me. But this one is done by this wonderful woman. She did a great job of reading. This is on Audible too. A lot of people walk around and listen to it on Audible or listen. To I'm a very that, you know uh, as you're as you're yeah. doing your walking. I recommend that do your walking and listen to the upgrade. It's done. It's done really well. She did a. I'm an Audible job learner. I love listening, so I can't wait to get, get them both on Audible as well. So I just want to say thank you for the work you're doing. Mm. It's important and. You're making a difference. That's why you got our attention. And just knowing you're out there gives hope that there's others out there like you. And that, you know, part of Midlife Moxie has been to raise the voice and raise a collective voice to get the attention of medical professionals, retailers, product creators, so that we get the things we need. Because it's ridiculous that we're 51% of the population and people have not been paying attention to our needs for a very long time. So Thank you for that. Not to mention that we are the power of the purse. That's right. We're about 75% yep. or 80% yep. of the power of the purse for every purchase in the household. So, hello, the medical profession needs to wake up and listen to you That's guys. Absolutely. I mean, like, they need to listen to women and give women, you know, give women their, 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 the justice of yes. being able to be listened to. And during this 45 to 55 stage that, 51% of the population is going through that stage without healthcare. Like, hello, we're paying our, we're paying our insurance bills, right? We are, you know, whatever we're, but we're not getting yep. the healthcare we yep. need. So true. Well, again, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And we can't wait to have you back. Thank we you ladies for touch. what you're doing because you're getting the word out. You, it's because of you that we're getting the mm-hmm. word out. I really admire and honor what you guys oh, are thank doing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank so you. Important. We truly love it. And what do we always say, Christina? Thank you all for having me. Oh, Christina, what do we always say? (laughs) Until next time, go and get your moxie on. Bye-bye now.